0: Good morning. Good morning. I know there's a game coming up and you guys are excited to cheer for that. Let's bring some excitement this morning to the message. God's got a good word for us this morning. Today we're beginning a four-week series entitled "I Give." And I know when the topic of money and stewardship and generosity comes up, it sometimes you take a vacation from church for a few weeks. I know how that goes. But I'm asking you to be here because I have some messages to share that I think will be a blessing to you and encouragement. But We all know ex- stories of abuses of the church when it comes to money. We see those headlines across newspapers. We've known of television preachers that have been brought down and the stories brought out about how they've handled that. Let me assure you this morning that Holly and I have no uh, idea of you know having a home in the Hamptons using your money to do so. Uh, I I don't look all that good with cardigans tied around my uh, chest anyway, so uh, that is not our intention at all. But this is a topic that Jesus talked a lot about, and what I've noticed about preachers and churches is we often tend to hold off on talking about this topic until the church is in a struggling position and needs to ask for money. In fact, just honestly, that's what happened at the church I was at before, and what I committed to when I came here to Greenville Oaks was I'm not going to wait until we need to ask for this ought to be a regular part of the teaching of the church because money is a huge issue and brings a lot of problems to our lives but it can be a great blessing if we use this tool that God puts in our lives and the ways God commands for us to talk about it. So this morning to start and to prove to you that I'm not about having uh, taking your money I want to start by asking two people two volunteers if they would come up right now okay I'm I'm serious about this okay we got one back there come on up anybody else Cody you come on come on up all right all right come on up come on up all right what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you an envelope okay there's your envelope and tell me your name Victoria. It's good to meet you, Victoria. And I'm going to give you an envelope. And you guys can go and sit back down uh, right now, but I'm going to call you up a little bit later. Don't open the envelopes, okay? And and don't run off. I'm watching you guys today, okay? Victoria and Cody. All right, it's good to good to have that. I'll come back to that in just a little bit. You know, Jesus talked a lot about money. In fact, uh, 30% of the Gospels, there is some conversation about finances or the poor or something having to do and related to money. But a lot of churches are scared to talk about it. And I I just, to me, it's a commitment we have to have to talk about what Jesus talked about and to talk about those very same things here. And so I'm not going to shy away from this topic, even though I know there's been abuse at times when it comes to teaching. And it's not my belief that, you know, as some churches will teach, that if you will give this, then God's bound to give you this in return, It's almost like a formula. If you'll do these things, then God will promise you blessing and bountiful harvest and, and finances in return. That, that's not the commitment Scripture gives to me. In fact, any formula where we pretend like we can hold God hostage uh, because we're doing something mistakes the gospel completely and who's in charge of everything, okay? But there are principles and there are blessings that God promises, and, and, and there's important conversation about how we handled and steward his money that I think are important. So I wanted to preach on this topic early on. And uh, let's pray together as we open uh, Scripture to look more at this story. God, we thank you so much for the finances you have given us. We live in an era and a nation, God, that uh, knows wealth in greater ways than ever before in the past. And yet some of us are going through hard times even in the midst of a prosperous uh, season for many. So God, in the midst of the pain that this conversation Brings up In the midst of the blessings you give, in the midst of some doubt and questions about what a preacher would want to talk about money for, I believe you have a message that you need uh, brought to your church, God. And I pray that your spirit would bring those, that, that message in helpful ways to each one who's here today. This morning, God, I pray you'd pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in hearts. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. And everyone said, amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew the sixth chapter. I want to read a few verses uh, that Jesus shares in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is a three-section, three-chapter piece in in the book of Matthew. It's Jesus' first public sermon in the the Gospel of Matthew. And he announces and talks about this thing called the kingdom of God. There's a lot of we could say about the kingdom of God. I'll come back to the Sermon on the Mount a lot through my ministry here. But I want to let you know that before Jesus ever says a word about the kingdom of God, in chapter 4, right before this, he demonstrates the kingdom of God. He brings healing to people who are paralyzed. He, he, he brings healing to people who have diseases that are demon-possessed. And so before he ever says a word about what the kingdom of God is all about, he shows them what the kingdom of God is all about. That God desires restoration to all of us and reconciliation of relationships, that we wouldn't live with worry, all kinds of important things Jesus says there. So he's healed many of these people. They're sitting around a mountainside, and just after he's healed them, imagine being a family member of someone who was lame and is now walking. You're going to listen pretty intently to what Jesus says after that, and this is what Jesus has to say in Matthew chapter six, verse nineteen: Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, the title of the series is I Give. And you'll notice something that, you know, the dot on the eye looks a little different than a normal eye. But I'm playing off what Jesus is talking about in these verses when he talks about eyes. You notice what he says there that eyes that are full of light, or healthy eyes, or, or unhealthy eyes, as he talks about it. And what Jesus is doing is he's pulling from a Jewish metaphor. But before I talk about that, I want to talk about our culture a little bit. Because we live in an I culture, don't we? It's created in, 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 by, by Apple in a great way. And, you know we, Many of us hold iPhones in our pockets or iPods, or maybe you have a, a computer at home. And, and, and those are great devices and, and, and help a great deal in our lives in many ways. They can be distractions for us also. But it's amazing what the I culture has done when it comes to what Apple and Steve Jobs and all those who are behind that have created. Because I mean, years ago, you'd have to go out and buy a record and listen to an entire album for the one song for any one-hit wonder that was out there, Right? But anyone that was born after the year 2000, they can go online through the iTunes store and they won't have ever bought an entire album to listen to one song because all they have to do is go on and pick the one song they like and they can download it on their It's It's a great invention, right? It's probably changing the music industry in incredible and indescribable ways. And we live in this culture where we can just kind of get little snippets of what we want and sometimes we treat scripture this way, don't we? Where we pick this and we choose that and, and then we don't pay attention to other things. But I've noticed uh, the, the thought of the eye is trying to draw into this image that Jesus is talking about. Let's, let's go back to Matthew 6, verse 22. Let me read this again. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now this Jewish metaphor, the good eye, was about generosity. That those with good eyes toward the world were generous toward the world. But those who had an evil eye or an unhealthy eye, those were people who were stingy in some way. And i got to say, I've I've lived with an evil eye at times. There have been times, especially when I will drive along the road and I see someone who's who's homeless or begging on the side of the road, that I'll make judgments or or assumptions about certain certain things. And and Scripture and and this metaphor would say that I I gave them the evil eye in that sense, that I wasn't open in, in, in certain ways. Now, we need to be wise with our money, but this is the image that Jesus is working out of. It can be translated different ways. It's healthy in the NIV and unhealthy, but, but good or evil is another way that it's mentioned throughout Scripture. One of those places where this image comes up is in the book of Proverbs. A couple of places I want to show you right now. Proverbs 22 in verse 9. This is what it says about eyes. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. That's how the NIV uh, translates that passage. But this is how the new or the King James Version says it. He that hath a bountiful eye shall be blessed, for he giveth his bread to the poor. Now that's a more literal translation actually, talking about eyes. The NIV is trying to bring forward that metaphor in ways we might understand it, generous in that way. Uh, so scripture's talking about, you know, this good eye is, is one who's generous, who sees those who are in need and tries to help those out. Later on, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 22. This is what it says a little bit later in Proverbs. The stingy are eager to get rich and are unaware that poverty awaits them. Now, this is the flip side of the good eye, okay? The King James Version says, He that hasteth to be rich hath an evil eye and considereth not that poverty shall come upon him. So here's kind of some background. This is what Jesus is tapping into, this metaphor of the good eye. So when you see this image, I give with an eyeball, what I'm trying to say is our outlook on life, whether we have a good eye or a bad eye, is going to indicate the way we see the world. Our eyes are not just passive objects that just kind of see things around us. Our eyes are active and make a difference on our, our whole lives. Jesus talks about our, our, a body that's full of light and draws that to our eyes. So keep that image in mind as we proceed Uh, And remember that the eye is the lamp of the body. This is an important part of who we are and what Scripture calls us to think about. Well, back to Matthew chapter 6. Let's look at verse 24 as Jesus continues on. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, in our culture, money equates to control in some way, doesn't it? The more money you have, the more you can kind of choose what area of the city that you live in. The more money you have, the more resources you have to eat nutritious meals. There are areas of the city of Dallas that are considered food deserts where people aren't able to get nutritious meals because it's mostly convenience stores rather than places like Allen where there are grocery stores with produce all the time around us. And so where you live is a product partly of how how many resources you have and that opens up opportunities to you. But as we'll talk about through this series, wealth is very uncertain. Scripture talks about this over and over again. We tend to depend on wealth, and we tend to think it gives us control in some way. But really what wealth does is it gives us the illusion that we're in control. Because haven't you had a friend or a neighbor, maybe it's been you, who, who you had all the resources at your disposal, and then a diagnosis comes. And you can send them maybe to the Mayo Clinic or other places that others might not be able to with the wealth you have. But there's some things that money cannot control. There are some things that money can't fix. I've seen this with people who are close to me who thought they could fix anything with the resources they were given. But when it comes down to it, there are some things that money cannot purchase and cannot fix. And Jesus talks about money in this way, in, in, in this passage, as a master. What does he say at the end of that passage? You cannot serve both God and money. Now notice, he doesn't say you should not serve both God and money. This is not a question of what's best. He's saying you cannot serve both God and money. Because these are two functional gods. God on the one hand, money on the other. And one of those two is going to win out in our lives. And the question is, which, mean, which is the means and which is the end. I find this a lot, that a lot of churches or, or people who misuse money, it's often that God becomes the means to the end of trying to assure a better portfolio, right? You've heard this kind of health and wealth gospel, that if you'll do these things and serve God in a way, then you'll receive this. And in that transaction, that formula, God becomes the means to the end of my financial security. The other way around is how this should work. God is the end of everything. Anytime God becomes a means to something, we're misunderstanding who God is. We start worshiping the creation instead of the creator. And so God, is when we use the tools and resources he's given us to further his kingdom, then ultimately God and his kingdom are the end, and we're using the tools and the blessings he's given us to further the end of God's kingdom, which is the great end that God calls us to be about. So it's not a question of if or which one will serve. He said, you cannot serve both of these things. You've got to make a decision. Some translations will talk about it this way: you cannot serve both God and mammon. It's like a capitalized word, it's like a proper name for money, which is kind of a funny way to talk about it. I'm just imagining going into my dry cleaners this week and dropping off my shirt and saying, hey, take care of Steve for me, you know, while he's 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 with you. That's strange to talk about objects with proper names attached. But what God's trying to say is, wait, no, no, money has a power. It's a functional God for many, and you need to give it the honor it's due, the, 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 the danger of being able to acknowledge that this can become a God in our lives if we don't call God that God first. It can hold a power over us. Money has a way of subtly competing with God in our lives. And you've seen this done before in religion. There's a story I told before from the book of Acts a few weeks ago. It was the story of Simon the Sorcerer. Do you remember this story? All right, Simon's this guy who's known as the great power of God. So he's doing something incredible that people think he's tied to the divine. He's doing magic. We don't know exactly what. It seems that it's the dark arts in some way. And, and maybe it's Satan who's working behind what he's doing. But Philip rolls into town and tells the gospel message, and Philip's doing much greater things than Simon's doing. And so he thinks, well, maybe if I become a Christian, maybe I can receive this Holy Spirit, and maybe I'll be able to be a part of a better business than what I'm doing right now with my sorcery. So he actually offers money and says, hey, would you give me this gift of the Holy Spirit so that I can you know, be, be a part of this too and heal people? And, he says, and Peter says, Philip says, May, may your money perish with you. I mean, this is not what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. You don't use God in order to further your business. You don't use God in order to further these other things. God is the end and not the means. See, God doesn't humbly submit in our lives to second chair. And some of us have been putting him in the second place in our lives, maybe the third place in our lives. He, he's to reign supreme. He's to be above all other gods, functional or otherwise, that are in our lives. See, in the end, you cannot serve two masters. You'll serve one or you'll serve the other. It's our, our, our job to choose God. That's what Jesus commands. But the phrase in this passage that stands out the most to me that I want to really key on comes earlier in the passage. Uh, 19 and 20 talk about storing up for ourselves treasures, right? And I think it's important to note that some preachers will tell you that money is evil and it's just to be done away with. That's, tr- that's not the truth. Right? It, it's not money that's evil. It's sometimes the ways that's utilized where it can draw our hearts in evil ways. God's not saying don't store up things for yourself. What does he say? He says don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy or vermin as the NIV is now translating it, whatever that is. You, you don't do that. You don't put your treasure on earth. What you need to do is think bigger than that, higher than that, longer, more in advance than that. Put, store treasure in heaven. Where moth cannot destroy and other thieves can't break in and steal. So the question in our lives is not if we will store up things. The question is where are we going to place our treasure? Where are we going to store up that treasure? And Jesus is saying like any good money manager, store it up for the long run, not just for the short term. Now Holly and I are careful with our generosity. This is what it says in, in, in 621. I want us to get... A key for this. It says, "For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." And this is the passage that I want you to underline and kind of think through this week. I 've been dwelling on this. Holly and I, we, we don 't just give our money anywhere. We think at the beginning of the year, where are we going to put our finances our giving this year, and we give our, our tithes to the church, and then there are offerings above and beyond that we think about where those will go to nonprofits. So I don't feel bad when nonprofits call and say, would you be willing to contribute to this? And I'm able to say, you know, we've already set aside where we're going to give for this year. And and we've already got those things figured out. Now the Spirit may work in some special way to, to prompt our hearts in certain things. But I think it's important for us to determine that ahead of time and not just give based on what the whim might be in the moment. I've heard this verse a thousand times though. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But I don't know that's the way I've thought about it in the past. And when I think about generosity, my, my parents taught me to, to, to be generous and to give of funds and all that kind of stuff. From an early age with allowance and getting a dollar, I remember dimes going in certain places that my parents taught me to put them, right? But the way I thought about generosity was I want to know about an organization that's going to do well And it's going to make an impact in the world. And I want my heart to be there. I want to volunteer there. And once I figure out that this is a good organization to give to, then I'm going to pour my money into that. Right? So it starts with heart and, and making sure this is where I want to give. And then my money follows my heart. But that's not what Jesus says here. What does he say? He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I think this is an important distinction and an important progression for us to understand because I think it's counterintuitive to us. We tend to want to think about where do we want our heart to be. We put our heart there and then our finances will follow that. But what Jesus says is, no, if you'll put your finances somewhere first, your heart is going to follow where your finances go. Think about it this way. I've had guys come to me or girls come to me who are just gotten engaged and, and of course everyone wants to show off the ring when that happens, right? And and, and there are times, though, when a guy won't get a ring. And, and I understand there are circumstances where that may not make sense in the moment. But it worries me a little bit when a guy isn't willing to purchase a ring. Because you know why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Or I know people who've had weddings, and I know people spend way too much on weddings in, in certain circumstances, right? But it also worries me on the other extreme, because when, when the bride and the groom aren't willing to put anything into the wedding, and let me just put a plug in before I say this for premarital counseling. We, we put way too much attention on the wedding than we do on the marriage sometimes, okay? Okay. And and it's one of my commitments in this church. I'm not going to do a wedding without someone going through premarital counseling that I'm going to be doing that ceremony for. It's just, it's so important for us to understand the importance of marriage, not just the ceremony. But with that said, it worries me when, when the bride and groom don't put anything into the wedding itself. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's this way with parents and kids as well. My, uh, you know, I've got a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and an eight-month-old daughter, and it's about time for my five-year-old to get a job, right? Some of you think this way, right? So we got expenses, you're eating more, college is going to be coming up at some point. Uh, some of us think that way, like, man, if we could give them a job, lemonade stand, then lawn service, then we can pay for college that way. But, but I think it was wise for God to have parents take care of the finances for their kids for 18 years or longer, some of you would say, Right? I think it was wise. You know why? Because Jesus' principle is true. That where you put your treasure, your heart is going to be there as well. Let me say a word about that for a moment. Maybe step on some toes this morning. Youth sports is a huge thing in Allen, Texas. And I know you're like, oh, here it comes, right? Right? It's easy to pour our finances into that. In fact, Holly and I, we're engaged in youth sports with Maddox. He's already starting. We're going to sign him up in the spring. I think it's a great thing because we want our kids to be connected with people who don't know Jesus. We want them to be connected with kids at school, not just church kids, okay? So hear that. That's important. But when you put your money in youth sports and then you're not able to send your kids to youth camp or you're not able to send your kids to certain church activities as a result of that, that's a decision you've got to make as a parent. I'm leaving that in your court. But... When you put your money here in youth sports, you're going to justify their activities here a lot more than you're going to be able to justify these things at church because you've put your money there, haven't you? Because Jesus' principle is true. Where we put our money, our activity, our attention, all those things are going to follow in that place. And I think it's important for us to get our priorities in order and realize that where we put our money, it's not just money that goes and that's it. Our heart follows that. How many of you have bought stock in a certain company and you couldn't have cared less about that company and now you read everything you possibly can because where you put your treasure, your heart is going to follow. Matthew 13, talks a little bit about this a little bit later in the book of Matthew. I read this verse a couple weeks ago, but it applies again. It says, the kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Now, the parables are a little questionable sometimes, and this is one of those questionable parables. Because if you find treasure in a field that someone else owns, wouldn't it be the right thing to tell them there's treasure in their field? But that's not what this guy does, does he? He digs up a hole, he buries it again, and then he goes and says, hey, I will sell everything I have for your field. And the guy's like, I've been trying to get rid of the field. You know why he was willing to sell all that? Because his treasure was in the field, and and he was willing to sell everything to pursue this treasure that was there. Jesus talks about a pearl in the kingdom. Jesus talks about a lot of financial metaphors. Now, right now, I want to ask Victoria. I hope they're still here. I've been watching you guys. And, Cody, if you guys would come back up right now, okay? Come on up. I see the envelope here. Okay, we still got our envelopes. That's good. All right, Victoria, I'm going to ask you to open yours first, okay? Would you open yours and show everyone what's, what's inside? What is it? Monopoly money. It's Monopoly money, okay? Thanks for doing that. that was, here, in fact, you get, Maddox and Addison won't miss one Monopoly buck, okay? You can go sit down, Victoria, thanks. All right, now, Cody, what's, what's in your envelope? Oh, and I'm going to be needing that back, by the way. Yeah. Thanks. All right, thanks for, thanks for coming up. Give them a hand for, and th- thank them for, for being involved. All right, now let me tell you, through this sermon, I, I've been interested in certain portions of this worship center more than sometimes. I, I was interested in where Victoria was sitting because uh, I'm OCD about my monopoly. I was always the banker growing up, and if any dollar went missing, I was going to know about it, okay? So I was watching that. I appreciate you taking good care of that, Victoria. But I'll tell you, I was keeping a lot more attention on Cody during the sermon. If Cody had been out the door, you guys would have gotten to the Cowboy game a lot faster because I would have been chasing out the door after him. You know why that is? This is where your treasure is. There your heart will be also. Now, it's counterintuitive when you hear this. I don't know how to understand it exactly, but this is what Jesus teaches us. I gotta tell you, I I love Apple products. I'm an Apple customer. I remember my first computer that my dad had in our house that I was typing on, playing games on, was a Macintosh 2Si. I I remember playing on iBooks and and, and MacBooks and iPhones and iPods. I mean, I've I've almost bought everything they've ever had. I preached from an iPad, you know, for crying out loud. I'm always watching for what the next product is going to be. But I've got a buddy named Kent who is more than a customer. He loves all the products, but he's a stockholder. And I got to tell you, you know, every time the live Apple event happens, I could kind of care less. You know, I'll check up later uh, on the news about what the big announcement was after my day's over. But that's not the way Kent works. Kent like he takes paid time off for Apple event day. He he closes his office, he puts a note up on the door, don't bother me between 11 and 2, and he's watching the online event, excited about what's coming. And you know the difference? Because I'm a customer, and Kent's a stockholder. And those are two very different things. Because if Apple's done and were to shut down one day, i just go to another store and start buying products from other places that make good products. But Kent... And if, if, if they were to shut down one day, it would make a huge difference in his resources because he's got stock in that company. And some of us, when it comes to church, are a little bit more like customers, aren't we? If we're honest about it, we, you know, we, we come here, we soak up resources. But, you know, if, if Greenville Oaks was to go away, there'd be another church that we could find our religious goods and services, and it, we'd be fine. In fact, if we hear of another church that's doing better, we, we'd probably jump over and figure that out. But there are others of us that are stockholders, some of you have been here as long as I've been alive almost. You've poured your your blood, sweat, and tears into this place. Some of you, you gave and contributed, made a three-year commitment maybe, I don't know how it worked out, to buy this plot of land and to build this building at one point. Now there's kids running around this place that weren't even thought of at that point in time. Some of you contributed later on to the backside of our building when we added classrooms and the teen center and the fellowship center. All of that was because you you, you saw a vision and you were willing to, to pour your resources into that. Some of you, you have poured your energy and time and effort into children's ministry or you serve at our doors and welcome people in each Sunday, or you serve as a connecting point group leader as we saw earlier in our service. Some of you are serving in a, an incredible way. And when you pour your resources in, when you, when you give to something like that, all of a sudden it's more than just, well, if it goes away, I can find another place. It becomes home. It becomes a place that matters to you. It matters to your family. You hope it matters to your grandkids at some point. You know what the first thing Holly and I did when we came to Greenville Oaks was? we contributed to your contribution. And the reason we did that wasn't because you needed that money. you have been going on a long time being able to pay the bills. You were doing just fine. The reason we gave our money was because we believe and we're coming to believe more and more in what Jesus has to say. That where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our goal is to love you all well. We want to love you better than we've ever loved a church before. We want, to, we want to know your names and your stories. And we look forward to knowing that more and more. And the best way we could grow to love you was to put our money here. Because where your treasure is, your heart is sure to follow. Now, Some of you this year are thinking about new things you need to do. You're thinking about exciting uh, things in the future. Some of you are making decisions that, man, we need to be involved in church more. We need to pour our lives into this place, find a place to serve, find a connecting group. And let me just tell you, if you want your heart to come to church, give money to church and your heart's going to follow. Or if you've got a kingdom venture out there and you've been, you're trying to figure out what is the God's calling me to, and you know the ministry of what it is, and you've been serving for a long time, what I want to encourage you to do is, would you put your treasure there? Because if you put your treasure there, your heart is sure to follow. Or maybe it's your kids. Maybe business has been getting more of you, and the best treasure you know to earn is finances, and that's important. But if your kids are going to grow up to follow Jesus, the best way you can put your treasure in their lives is more than just financial. It's giving your time as a gift to them. Because where you put your treasure, your heart is sure to follow. Amen? Let's pray together as we close. God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much for the blessings and finances that you give to us. God, I ask today that as we leave these doors, we would consider these words that you've given, not to just investigate everything and put our heart somewhere and think that at some point our treasure will follow, but to realize the best way to secure our hearts is to put our resources in the right place. God, help us not to store up treasure on earth where all these things destroy that where we just build up worry when that happens. But help us to put in for a reward that will one day be there that will be eternal. Father, we thank you so much for this church. And for those, I thank you for those who put their treasure here long before I knew the name Greenville Oaks. May we continue to be a people who put our hearts here as well. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Be standing now for our benediction. This week, may you invest your resources well. Because where you put your treasure, your heart's obsession is sure to follow. May we love God, may we love people, and may we serve others. Go in peace.